0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of V Brown Bag. Um, tonight, we have a, uh, a special guest, a person near and dear to my heart, somebody that I work with, uh, the amazing, the illustrious, the dapper Sean Hicks. Um, tonight, he is going to talk to us about VM on X. Uh, he's, he's been spending a lot of time uh, doing VMC. Uh, we've we've uh, been having a couple of really good conversations around the old water cooler, which is now virtual. Um, and we're gonna, we're gonna get into some of the, uh, the cool, fun things that we can do with it. But first let's do a couple of show notes, getting on the conversation. If you at V Brown or, um, hashtag V Brown bag, I will be paying attention on the Twitter sphere. If you are on the live studio audience, I'll be paying attention there to, uh, to bubble up your questions to Mr. Hicks. Um, give us a shout out, say howdy to us. Um, Mr. Sean Hicks is at Sean Hicks 77. I, of course, am Chris Williams. You're irritating. Um, host, um, MC, whatever you want to call me. You can find me at Misfire. So without further ado, Mr. Hicks, are you there? I am. Awesome. I am going Thanks. to stop sharing and hand the power over to you. Sure
1: thing. Let's share desktop two. And we will go right into the presentation mode. All right. So, uh, welcome, everyone. Fantastic. Life is good. (laughs) (laughs) It was bad momentarily. So, thanks everybody for hanging in there with me. I really appreciate it. Um, But again, my name is Sean Hicks, as Chris mentioned, and I uh, today we want to just do a quick introduction. Uh, We will level set on the uh, cloud operating model and what exactly is meant by hybrid cloud. Go into a little bit of uh, you know, the state of uh, SDDC and SDI. We'll talk about VMware hybrid cloud, why it's a thing. And then we'll review uh, at a high level some of the different solutions that are out there. And then uh, we will hopefully have time to do a quick operational walkthrough of a uh, VMC on AWS. So once again, Sean Hicks, I'm a technical, technol- technical solutions architect covering hybrid cloud platforms for worldwide technology.
0: And NERF aficionado? I,
1: I am. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I reside in Dallas, Texas, uh, attended Southern Methodist University, and just never left. Had plenty of opportunities, but for some reason, this is home. Um, so was with Cisco Systems for 11 years as an engineer, uh, then went to Firefly, did, uh, was a technical instructor teaching uh, some of the early converged stuff around UCS and MDS, and Nexus switches, and, and of course, VMware as well. <clears throat> I, I then uh, worked at a smaller uh, reseller and managed their data center practice for most of my time with them and have uh, been worldwide now for about two and a half years. Um, so as, as Chris pointed out, um, I, I do hunt pretend zombies for fun with highly modified Nerf blasters. Um, it's, it's good fun, no, no pretend zombies are hurt, uh, at least as long as they wear their eye protection. <laughs> And uh, I was hit uh, by a truck at the age of 12 as I was uh, riding my bike home from school. So now you all know uh, exactly what is wrong with me and everything I say from this point on can be traced back to that moment in time. Um, I actually owned a couple businesses. I, uh, I co-owned a record label with some musician friends of mine uh, very briefly. I think we had like one and a half releases. And uh, I also uh, co-owned another business with some friends making color changing wine labels that, uh, changed colors whenever the wine inside the bottle uh, reached the correct serving temperature for that particular type of wine. Mm. And uh, you can't see me on video right now, but I am growing, and Chris will tell you because he's seen me on video recently, I am growing a magnificent quarantine beard. (laughs) Um, My wife calls it the Brillo pad, and uh, my pans have never been cleaner. All good. (laughs) So I told you we're gonna level set. Let's do that real fast. Uh, I have been in rooms where uh, grown adults got into screaming matches about what was meant by cloud. Uh, and we think we've all heard the, uh, the cliche uh, thing that uh, if you ask 10 people what cloud is, uh, you'll get 10 different answers. Um, well, the reality is that there is published definition cloud computing. And so uh, it it goes on to define uh, just some essential characteristics. So all the things that we love about cloud, we love the ability to uh, get what we need without having to open tickets with anybody or waiting for weeks on end uh, to to get our resources. We love that we can access it from just about anywhere on the planet uh, using all kinds of different uh, devices. We love the ability to uh, pull off resources and say, these are mine. And we love the elasticity to grow those resources or shrink them. Uh, on-demand and of course the ability to uh, to do on-demand uh, billing as well, right? So we we love that uh, that uh, sort of OPEX model of, you know, instead of the old uh, build it and they will come approach to building IT infrastructure. A few deployment models that are defined uh, in the standard and service models defined, but the thing that I wanna focus on for this conversation is the following. So this is directly from the document. And hybrid cloud is when you have two or more uh, cloud environments, and they remain uh, completely unique entities. That is, that uh, they don't necessarily coalesce with one another. They are separate infrastructures. Um, But there is some kind of technology overlaying them that allows application and data portability between those infrastructures. And so let's, let's keep that in the backs of our minds as we go into uh, the rest of this presentation. So beginning with, um, as you may have noticed on the previous slide, um, cloud is an operating model. It's not really a destination. You know, often when we say cloud, we think of AWS or we think of Azure, uh, or we think of a private cloud. And really it's it's about how it operates. You saw those essential characteristics and all of those essential characteristics, we'll just go back to that real quick, just to remind everybody. All of those essential characteristics of what makes it cloud computing happen up here in these white layers. So within your own environment, you might have ServiceNow, uh, you might be using the Realize Automation as a cloud management platform, and you might be using things like Ansible and Terraform to do uh, you know, infrastructure as code or something along those lines. And you probably have a CICD pipeline um, or at least you hope to get to this state. But remember the definition of hybrid cloud. Keep that in mind, because that really happens down here in the green boxes, which is software-defined infrastructure. And when we look at the various providers out there, we we see that they all pretty much offer Uh, very similar services for software-defined infrastructure. If we look at AWS, you have uh, Compute Service, Elastic Compute. You have a storage service. Actually, you have multiple storage services, depending on if you want to do block S3 or file. And you have uh, an entity that encapsulates lots of networking and security services, network security services, in the form of the virtual private cloud, the VPC. And then, of course, you've got your operational tools for uh, for managing and uh, monitoring the environment. And if we look at other cloud providers, we see that same format. It's not, it's not an accident that they all sort of fell into this mold. If we look back at the early OpenStack environments, we can kind of see the lineage uh, of where these things came from. So once again, with Azure, you've got Azure Virtual Machines, you've got Azure Disk or other types of storage services such as Blob, you've got the Virtual Network or VNet, and you've got Azure Resource Manager and uh, Azure Monitor. Google Cloud, no surprise, same format. You have Compute Engine, you have Kubernetes Engine, or sorry, Container Engine, the K stands for containers. (laughs) You have um, different storage services. You have what they call a VPC network, uh, which is uh, the equivalent of the the other uh, encapsulations of various network and network security services. And of course, you have your management operation tools. And hopefully everybody that's in the audience today is familiar with VMware Cloud Foundation, which is exactly VMware's attempt to bring uh, this exact model to private uh, infrastructure, private cloud. So, you know, you have your compute, which is now provided by vSphere, whether that's a virtual machine or container, by the way, in VCF 4.0. You have uh, vSAN, which started off as offering up disk images for... uh, um, or VMDKs, I should say, for virtual machines, but it's now starting to uh, offer file services as well. And uh, I understand in the roadmap, potentially one day uh, object. We have NSX, which encapsulates, encapsulates lots of uh, networking services and network security. And then, of course, we have um, our operations and management tools as well in the vRealize suite. So I told you to keep in mind the definition of hybrid cloud. The problem that we run into here is that the vSphere hypervisor is not compatible with AWS's hypervisor. You cannot just take a virtual machine off of of your your VCF environment and drop it into your AWS environment, at least not without additional tooling to do that translation. And so uh, this is something that often slows down migrations because uh, we're re-platforming. And, uh, you know, re-architecting obviously takes a long time. So a lot of times what we really want to do is just take applications that we already have and drop them into uh, somebody else's data center. And so that's what we, what we propose here is what if we could do something like this? What if We could be in AWS or Azure or Google Cloud or a number of other cloud uh, provider partners that VMware has and have that compatibility for our uh, VMware-based applications to be able to move uh, virtual machines, to be able to uh, replicate data, and uh, even to have the uh, the same network and security tools uh, across the board. And so uh, with that, I propose that we put VMware on everything. And uh, if you don't know, uh, I love to cook. I come from a family where the, uh, the men traditionally do the cooking, actually. Um, so that is my apron.
0: <clears throat>
1: but if we take a look at VMware Hybrid Cloud, uh, you know, we start with VCF or on-prem. And then we have some, some options for, uh, for, for fully managed, whether it's managed by VMware or managed by a VMware cloud provider partner, uh, VMware solutions that sit on infrastructure that uh, in the case of VMC on Dell, sits on-prem, but it's not our infrastructure, we don't manage it. It's lifecycle managed by VMware. <clears throat> in Case of AWS, similarly, the, uh, the VMware components are lifecycle managed by VMware and the underlying infrastructure is AWS Nitro managed by AWS. And then a little history lesson here, in case you're not aware, there was a VMware cloud provider partner named Cloud Simple. They partnered with Azure to build the Azure VMware solution. Uh, Not long after that, they also partnered with Google Cloud to start building what GA'd at the end of June. So it's only, uh, it's fresh, it's only three weeks old now, uh, Google Cloud VMware Engine. And then in November of la- uh, last year, Google bought Cloud Simple. <laughs> so, um, they have rebranded everything from being uh, Cloud Simple to being Google Cloud and VMware Engine. Uh, we're actually, uh, at WWT, we're lucky enough to be a launch partner for this. So, we've actually had access to this for uh, for a little while now. But... Um, Google uh, folded this into their cloud console, so it's actually listed among the compute services that you can spin up a, uh, uh, a Google Cloud VMware Engine uh, uh, private cloud. And Microsoft, for their part, is also rebranding and taking all support in-house because Google bought the original partner, Cloud Simple. So um, just a quick note, because it came up recently uh, for discussion, you can still buy Azure VMware solution, but you need to purchase additional support credits uh, or support quota in the region where you hope to deploy it. Uh, in the meantime, Azure is bringing this solution completely in house, making it a single party solution and the, the new Microsoft version of it uh, should be GA'd in sometime in November is what I'm told by my sources. But anyway, um, so, and then VMC on AWS, that's that's like I said, BM, VMware and AWS managed. It's the, uh, it's the granddaddy. It's the one that's been around the longest and uh, been through several revisions uh, to this point. In fact, we just uh, celebrated the release of M11 recently and I'll talk about a few of the cool features that came in M11 as we get into the VMC on AWS overview. So why do you want to do this? Well, there's a few use cases that uh, we, we at Worldwide have sort of built some buckets around, and we really distilled it down to these four buckets. So on the left-hand side, starting there, data center evacuation. You have those organizations that want to switch from a CapEx model to an OpEx model for acquiring their IT infrastructure. You have organizations that have a a get to the cloud however you can, as fast as you can mentality, but again, with the replatforming, Re architecting, it's a problem. So, if I could lift and shift just VMware VMs, I could probably accelerate that migration. And then you also have a lot of organizations that they don't really see a lot of value in uh, the day to day operations of a data center. Um, If you think about things that we've all uh, in IT kept ourselves busy with at some point or another, like crawling around on the floor with the dust bunnies to run cables and the uh, Uh, under the the raised four tiles, or, um, you know, breaking out the drill or bringing your drill from home to to rack equipment in the cabinet, Um, or even beyond that, if you think about things like uh, physical data center security, man traps, cameras, lighting, uh, fencing, or, uh, you know, dual redundant power feeds from reliable sources, or building data halls that have different power feeds, different network feeds. And everything else. There's a lot that goes into running a data center that isn't really the core business of, uh, of, of the company in question. And frankly, unless they are a Microsoft or an AWS, they're not going to do data center better than the cloud providers. So uh, another one is uh, what we call hybrid cloud extension, which, you know, we've all heard the first cloud thing. I won't spend any time on that. But one thing that was really interesting recently Uh, with uh, the the coronavirus, uh, the novel coronavirus and and the ensuing pandemic, is that uh, the world suddenly had a massive influx in remote workers. And suddenly uh, with international um, logistics being disrupted uh, by uh, different countries closing and ports closing and everything, it became really difficult to get additional IT infrastructure for servicing all these new remote workers. And so we were seeing a rush in people wanting to deploy things like VMC on AWS so that they could extend um, their Horizon solutions or their Workspace ONE solutions on top of it uh, to accommodate uh, all the people that were gonna be working from home. And uh, because it was on demand and it was in the cloud, uh, they could get it versus uh, sitting around waiting for their favorite server vendor to get something over Pacific Ocean to them. and uh, only that, but some of them do anticipate that at some point in the future, uh, those remote employees may return to an office and so they didn't want to invest in permanent infrastructure uh, to support those, those cases. So, um, so yeah, we saw a lot of interest there. Disaster recovery, uh, typically we, we sort of refer to it as a disaster recovery as a service. And the idea there is uh, it's the old story of uh, why would I build an entirely separate data center that sits around unused most of the time waiting for the other one to blow up? Um, What if I could have just a minimum set of gear that's operational and then I could uh, expand that automatically whenever uh, the need arises? And so that's something we can do and we can do it with tools that we already have and love like for instance VMware Site Recovery Manager Um, or uh, Data Domain, we can run Data Domain Cloud Edition to be able to uh, back up our virtual machines, Uh, which, by the way, none of these solutions does the cloud provider or VMware take responsibility for backing up your workloads. So that is still incumbent upon you, the, the customer the consumer of these services, to do that. So plan accordingly. Uh, And then once again, just the fact that these, you know, cloud providers are very good at running data centers, so their environments typically see uh, a very high number of nines in terms of availability. And uh, application modernization is, it could be anything as simple as just getting workloads closer to each other. You may have a multi-tiered application stack with certain elements of it that are sitting as VMware virtual machines. Certain elements of it are cloud-native services, uh, like AWS Lambda functions, or uh, RDS database, or maybe it's uh, a container that you're running in the cloud, like an EKS or GKE, and uh, you just need that VMware-based workload to be closer to the rest of the application suite for the purposes of a better user experience through lower network latency and better application performance. Uh, in the case of all the new, newly uh, remote workers in the world, uh, getting VDI services closer to them, cloud providers are typically closer to those users in terms of network hops than is your data center. And uh, sometimes we just want a runway, we just want a, a parking place, if you will, to hold those applications that we do intend to, uh, to refactor or re-architect. And so that's another another valid use case that we've seen. At This point i'm going to take a quick pause and uh, see if we have any
0: questions in the chat yet. Uh, we've got um, some some snarky comments from our regulars uh, so so we we do have a lot of of uh, attendees that are are very steeped in in vMware um, v Brown bag originally cut its teeth on on in like the VMware ecosphere so mm-hmm. um, uh, yes no, no questions as of yet um, <laughs> but but I do have some, some of my regular smart asses in here.
1: I will, uh, I will ask that you screen capture the snarky comments for my own entertainment later.
0: Oh, on. I absolutely will. I will, I will share, I, right, right, as soon as we're finished.
1: All right. So a uh, high level overview of VMC on AWS. This is, like I said, the granddaddy of the solutions. It's, uh, it's been around for a little while now and we, we did just celebrate another release in, in the M11 release. And uh, it is what it sounds like. It is AWS bare metal instances running uh, ESXi, running vSAN, running uh, NSXT. Uh, you do not have to have NSXT on prem, but you get it whether you like it or not uh, in VNC on AWS. And there's a few different ways to connect to it. Typically, all of these solutions will support um, point-to-site VPN, uh, site-to-site VPN. Uh, and then uh, each one has their version of what AWS calls Direct Connect, which is uh, our preferred way in the way that we have it set up uh, in our env- in our lab environment. And then uh, kind of unique to VMC on AWS is that um, they take advantage of wh- uh, what AWS calls an elastic network interface to put a, an interface of your NSX T0 router into whoops apple magic mouse people um to put an interface into uh one um vpc that is owned by you the the customer the consumer and so that allows you uh immediate access to aws services in that vpc um and uh so you could do things over here like uh, Throw up an S3 instance to, to save off data as like a secondary storage from your virtual machines over here. You could do things like uh, deploy an elastic load balancer, and uh, there's a lot of caveats to keep in mind, but you could potentially have a traffic flow that comes in this way and then comes in over here uh, across the ENI. And I want to go back actually because I'm not done. Uh, we did, like I said, uh, in the new M11 release. Uh, we got uh, some, some new things here that are nice because uh, believe it or not, I don't know if everybody on the call is familiar with Transit Gateway, but in AWS, um, the uh, VPC gateway, uh, the virtual private gateway, is not uh, capable of holding a whole lot of routes. And so it's pretty limited in terms of how many VPCs you can actually peer with one another. And so for a long time, we were building what we called transit VPCs. And then through the magic of network function virtualization, we were running virtual routers like Cisco CSR1000Vs in those transit VPCs because they could support a lot more um, routes. And then we could build out much larger infrastructures uh, within AWS. And so we might have like a transit VPC in, in each region that we're operating in. So AWS came out with Transit Gateway, and it's something you deploy in a region, and it allows you to to route to uh, many more VPCs than the virtual private gateways support. Um, You can connect um, your VMC on AWS uh, VPC. It's not technically your VPC, it's technically VMware's VPC. You can connect it to a Transit Gateway using a VPN connection. Um, Worth noting, that is not supported by VMware for on-prem connectivity. Does it work? Yes, it does. Is it supported? No, it is not. Uh, You can Mm -hmm. use it to connect to a whole bunch of other VPCs in AWS, uh, but it is not supported for on-prem connectivity. And with the M11 release, we got a new feature. We got Transit Connect, which is VMware's managed version of Transit Gateway. And that enables me to have um, lots of VMC on AWS STDCs and different VPCs all connected to each other across Transit Connect, as well as uh, being able to route to a number of native VPCs across Transit Connect and the ability to connect on-prem using Transit Connect as well. Uh, Interesting note there that you want to pay attention to. Man, this magic mouse is not behaving today. Uh interesting note that you want to pay attention to there is the Transit Connect feature will not allow you to route from a native VPC to another native VPC in your AWS organization. Um, that still needs to go through a traditional Transit Gateway or Transit VPC or whatever you have set up for that. Interesting. Um, um,
0: a quick question from the yep. audience. Sure. Um, th- this, this goes back a little, uh, just a couple of minutes. So the VPC comes, uh, the VPC comes with cloud, whether you want it or not as well. So the, 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 the VPC that doesn't encapsulate the, um, the, the VMC. The,
1: the, the native VPC. Yes. So if you spin up a VMC on AWS instance, uh, you need at a bare minimum one, uh, native AWS VPC. Uh, it will actually ask for that whenever you go to deploy your STDC for the first time.
0: Right. Okay. And a uh, up question to that. You had indicated that it was um, unique to VMC uh, and and you might be getting into this later on in, in the, in the talk. And if you are, then just. The,
1: the elastic network interface connection seems to be unique to VMC at least in as, as much as I've seen. I do not, I will, I will preface that by saying I do not have experience with uh VMware on the IBM cloud, nor do I have experience with uh, VMware on Alibaba cloud. Uh, however, from what I've seen in VMC on AWS, in Azure VMware Solution, and in uh, GCVE, Google, Google Cloud VMware Engine, that E&I uh, interface seems to be unique to VMC on AWS. And uh, one caveat caveat of that, by the way, as your T0 router from NSX uh, floats between the, the uh, cluster members of your original cluster in your SDDC, uh, do note that the bandwidth limitation for that elastic network interface uh, is exactly the physical NIC connectivity of whichever uh, host in the cluster is currently, uh, currently hosting the active uh, T0 instance. Gotcha.
0: Thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, see the other things that we got in M11 that are interesting. We got a uh, we got a vSAN improvement. Our slack space uh, requirement has gone from 25 to 20. Uh, that's important because uh, we have Elastic DRS in VMC on AWS, and whenever vSAN uh, slack space can no longer be uh, satisfied, it will automatically expand the cluster. Um, Want to keep an eye on that for spin purposes, but also at M11 we got the ability uh, to have Um, two node uh, clusters. Originally, you had to have at least three uh, for for it to be production. You have had the ability for some time now to spin up a single node instance, but that is not a production instance. That is only meant for customers to do uh, proof of concept. But you can do uh, a two node cluster now, starting with M11. Uh, However, I will warn everybody, what I just said about EDRS and VC and Slack space, If you cannot satisfy your vSAN Slack space, it will automatically expand to three nodes. And keep in mind for any customer that wants to run a two node SDDC, once you go from two to three, you cannot go back to two. Uh, Just the way it is today. Uh, Another caveat that we spend a lot of time on with customers is even though you have an SXT over here, um, there is no federation. If they have an SXT on the private data center, there is no federation yet. To unify the uh, management of policies, and uh, also the uh, NSXT instance in VMC on AWS does not currently allow you to take advantage of any kind of load balancing. So you will need to plan for uh, deploying one-arm load balancers in your network segments. Uh, with, you know maybe you're using Avi uh, uh, standalone one-arm load balancers, that would be fine. So I've uh, spoken at some length about this one. I'll I'll get into uh, Azure VMware Solution. Again, this was originally built for Azure by Cloud Simple. Microsoft is taking it all back in-house. It is uh, similar in that you consume some uh, Azure bare metal instances. Uh, They automatically deploy the VMware components on top of them for you. And then uh, that sits off in a, uh, a VNet that's not really your VNet. Um, but those services and, and those those bare metal instances uh, are available to you. Um, uses uh, again uh, site to uh, point to site VPN or point to point VPN or uh, ExpressRoute <coughs> for the on prem connectivity. Uh, interestingly, with uh, with with Azure VMware solution uh, to connect to native VNets, uh, you would use ExpressRoute Global Reach. Which allows you to share by uh, um, the magic of BGP and uh, Microsoft Azure's global backbone. Uh, share your routes uh, across all these different uh, Vnets and uh, and then back into the uh, what we used to call the cloud simple uh, environment. But anyways, you can run your private cloud over here and similar use cases. I have uh, I can have. Uh, direct connectivity to Azure services, I can have the ability to put machines from on-prem closer to uh, the, those Azure services and, and anything else I have to be running in Azure. And again, uh, just so everybody knows, uh, this you can still get this. You need to contact your Azure people and get additional support quota in the region you want to deploy it on the- or you could wait till November whenever they go live with the completely Microsoft branded version of it. I'm gonna pause there. We had some questions about VMC on AWS. I wanna make sure if there's any questions about this one in particular that we get to them.
0: And Double checking the feeds. No, that's good. Okay. No, no, we're good. Uh, yes, no, we're good.
1: All right. So Google Cloud VMware Engine, Uh, This one is actually very similar uh, because it was also built by Cloud Simple, which is now owned by Google Cloud. Um, Again, uh, same VPN options. Uh, You can do a dedicated interconnect or partner interconnect for direct connectivity between on prem and uh, your Google Cloud private cloud. Um, Somewhat unique to Google Cloud is uh, when you spin up this service, actually, for all three of these, when you spin up this service, you're Going to be on the hook for providing them with uh, some ciders, some uh, some network uh, subnets to use for addressing the various components. Uh, they'll ask uh, in the case of uh, Azure VMware solution and Google Cloud, uh, they'll ask for a vSphere vSAN subnet, which is actually an infrastructure subnet. And depending on whether you give them a slash twenty-two or a slash twenty-three or a slash twenty-four. They're going to carve that variable link subnet masking into different sections to handle everything from uh, vCenter and, and DSXi management, uh, vSAN, vMotion, um, NSX uh, uh, host transport, NSX Edge services, as well as um, your NSX Edge gateway uh, VLANs. So uh, all concepts that if you've been in any VCF environment, uh, you should be familiar with. They're kind of the... Bare minimum networking for VCF in terms of service VLANs, uh, so it will do all of that, but then you might want to connect to um, a Google Cloud native service, and you might want to do that using a private IP address so, uh, from a subnet that your network recognizes, so that it doesn't go across uh, the public internet, and so Google has um, a, what they call a shared uh, VPC network, that is uh, shared between the uh, the end user, uh, the consumer of the service, uh, as well as Google Cloud, and that allows you to do that private IP addressing using your IP addresses of uh, interfaces to uh, Google uh, Cloud Native Services. So kind of an interesting, interesting aspect to that one. And I'll pause once again to see if there are specific questions about Google Cloud VMware Engine.
0: Uh, A couple of comments about this is good stuff, but no specific questions.
1: Okay. Um, Again, Google Cloud VMware Engine is uh, three weeks uh, since GA. It went GA at the end of June. Um, So uh, it's out there in in the wild and available. And uh, by the way, both of these solutions, both Azure VMware Solution as well as as Google Cloud VMware Engine, one thing Cloud Simple did a great job of, I think, is in their documentation. So if you, uh, if, you, if you care to go look at it, uh, both of those solutions have their documentation published uh, on the cloud provider sites. And uh, they did a really, really good job of laying out uh, the concepts and what you need to do to get started, uh, as well as uh, how you interconnect uh, both on-prem and to native services. Uh, I won't go into a lot of detail about hybrid cloud extension because uh, I believe you guys did a Veeam brown bag on that uh, just uh, back in May uh, in depth. So, uh, in fact, I think I, I did watch that one and it was very good. Uh, but Hcx is um, the tool for bulk migrating or live emotioning motioning um, your virtual machines between on-prem and these services. And uh, Hcx, as uh, many of you are aware, uh, is actually has more in common with uh, NSX than it does with uh, any kind of migration tool. And uh, you know what it does is it deploys the fleet, the fleet appliances, you get the interconnect, you get the layer two extension, you get the WAN optimization, which is really a uh, Silver Peak virtual machine, uh, is my understanding. And, uh, and then you can uh, begin moving stuff across. Now, uh, there are caveats here uh, to these cloud services that I do want to point out in relation to, to HCX. <clears throat> that do not require me to go into detail about HCX itself. Again, go back and watch the previous v Brown bag. But uh, keep in mind that in order to support vMotion, um, there is a minimum uh, 100 megabit uh, connection requirement uh, between on-prem and the cloud. So uh, in fact, uh, for our lab here at uh, Worldwide, we do have a 100 megabit direct connect link uh, between our lab and VMC on AWS for that specific purpose. Uh, HCX uh, does not uh, work across uh, VPN makes sense because it's essentially building a VPN connection itself so you don't want to do tunnel in tunnel. Uh, The way it works is if you have like say in VMC on AWS if you have Direct Connect HCX will prefer the Direct Connect link that's what it will use. Um, If you do not have Direct Connect uh, it has the ability to build those tunnels over the public internet and we'll will prefer that, that method. Um, jumbo framing may come into consideration as well. If that's the case, you probably don't want to go across the public internet. Internet, you probably want to have uh, direct connect if you need to support jumbo frames here. Any questions about HCX in particular? <clears throat> not
0: not that they couldn't watch the other video on. If if, I, okay. if I'm if I'm getting your read correctly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. Very, uh, very important thing to note on HCX is that uh, in VMC on AWS, um, HCX licensing is included. You do not need to purchase additional HCX, HCX licensing when you are a VMC on AWS customer. And that's going to bring us to the end of uh, this portion. I do want to take a moment to kind of walk you guys through. RVMC on AWS environment and show you sort of operationally, maybe point out a few gotchas. I will be doing this from a Horizon desktop client, which is not the fastest. That's uh, that's that's on our infrastructure. That's not on Horizon, by the way. But uh, as um, soon as Google Cloud or sorry Google Chrome loads here, we will uh, we will so- take a quick tour.
0: While that's spinning up, a uh, quick question from the audience. So can you vMotion between clouds?
1: Uh, with HCX, yes, you can.
0: And is that, is that hot vMotion, or do you have to spin the, um, the, the VM down?
1: Uh, so live vMotion, uh, again, we want to start talking about jumbo framing, mm-hmm. whether or not we support that, um, and also the, the bandwidth connection the bandwidth of our, of our connectivity, uh, you know, in the end, end becomes, becomes a factor in whether or not you can do that. Gotcha. Thank you. So my highly organized. Uh, I may go into this second, actually. I think first I'll just show you guys that um, it's literally just a VMware environment. There's really nothing special about it. everybody's got their key loggers out. Absolutely. And I might actually log out and log back in as cloud admin, because there'll be a few other things I want you to see, because right now I'm logged in with my SSO credentials. Um, but if we go in here and look at, um, Oh, (laughs) I forgot we have, uh, We have hybrid linked mode set up here. Uh, So this is a real treat. Everybody gets to see hybrid linked mode, uh, which is uh, our vCenter in uh, VMC on AWS is actually linked back to our VCF environment uh, back at the uh, the ATC. So uh, here is our VCF management domain, uh, which is made up of uh, four nodes. Pay no attention to those error messages. I'm sure everything is fine. and then our workload domain, which is also made up of four nodes here. Uh, But this is our VMC on AWS S T D C down here. You can see that it is a three node cluster. Pay no attention to this fourth node down here that is actually deployed by HCX. It is a nested uh, vSphere node uh, for the purposes of facilitating vMotion capabilities. Mm -hmm. If we select one of these nodes, uh, we can see that it is indeed Amazon EC2 i3 bare metal. Uh, we can see some characteristics about this. Uh, I think you can just go on Amazon's, or sorry, AWS's website and read all about i3 metal instances and what they're uh, what they consist of. But uh, this is great because uh, it gives us the ability to go in and look at our uh, VSAN environment as well. So we can see our VSAN data store. Um, one thing to note is because this is our first cluster in this SDDC, it does house all the management components. There is a vCenter, there is an NSXT management cluster, uh, our HCX fleet appliances as well, um, and some basic uh, vRealize stuff. I believe we have Verley and Verney um, also out there. Uh, All of that is living on the same nodes. If we spin up a second cluster, we do not need to replicate all those things. Uh, They can exist solely on the first cluster. Uh, If we spin up a second SDDC in this region, then yes, we will get uh, all new management infrastructure. But just know that uh, all that stuff is also out here consuming disk space along with our Horizon on VMC on AWS uh, environment and the few test workloads that we're running. But you can see that we have a total of uh, about 31 terabytes uh, between those three nodes. Do know that the default default vSAN policy here is uh, RTT equals one, until we go past four nodes, then it will go to RTT equals two uh, and uh, RAID one. Um, Worth noting, by the way, you can do a stretched cluster where by part of your cluster lives in uh, one availability zone in region and the other part of your cluster lives in another availability zone by region. Uh, This is really great for workloads that require uh, extremely high availability. Uh, Do keep in mind though that same rules apply. Uh, These nodes have to be like and it's RAID1 mirror over to the other availability zone. So those nodes have to also mirror, meaning that uh, if you spin up four nodes in AZ1 and you decide to do stretch cluster, you will also get four nodes in AZ2. Uh, So you would have eight nodes total at that point. Also keep in mind, stretch cluster can only be determined at the time you spin up the cluster. You cannot make that decision later. So Mm -hmm. please know that for planning purposes. Uh, And then if we go look at NSX, uh, we will see a bunch of NSX networks in here as well. Like I said, nothing really special. It's a vSphere environment. All the specialness is actually here in how we actually interact with it from a management perspective uh, when we're not doing virtual machines. So, not sure. Oh, this is going to be a problem. Hang on guys. Uh, Actually, you know what, it will be easier if I just do this. uh, Not from Horizon, but this is the stuff that I really want to show you guys. So give me one moment.
0: I'm you doing that, um, Senethil, I see that you've raised your hand in the audience, but if you if you want to ask a question, just put it in either the chat channel or the Q and A panel, and uh, I'll get that to Sean.
1: So here we are in the VMware Cloud Services console, and this is where you would go to create an SDC, to create clusters, to expand clusters. Uh, and also to manage NSX. And one thing that I always point out to people is, um, if you didn't see, uh, I logged into this with my my myvmware.com credentials. That is how you log into the Cloud Services Console. What that means for you is there is no SSO for the Cloud Services Console. Everyone who needs access to this must be entered uh in the active users using their myvmware.com um account name so essentially what would happen is i would invite you to join the organization which is up here wwt demo uh you would accept that and then you'd come in and i could assign you uh let's go mess with john he's fun and then i can assign you roles and privileges within um Within the cloud services console. So we can see Mr. John here, uh, who is uh, one of our AWS platform architects, we see that he has um, two roles for VMC on AWS. He is an administrator and he is an NSX cloud admin. We have played with this extensively. So not only do we not have real SSO, but I want to make sure everybody's aware. This looks like role based access control, and it kind of is, but it doesn't really do anything. Um, you can either be a full administrator or an administrator except with the, without the ability to delete um, clusters and SDDCs. But if I, we've tried this with some test accounts, if we create you as an NSX cloud auditor, we thought, man, sure wouldn't it be nice if we could just give somebody an account where they could go in and look at NSX settings. This does nothing. If I take an account and assign it to NSX cloud auditor role, and you log in with that account, you literally get a blank. It'll log in, but you literally get a blank screen. So just be aware. Uh, I've talked to my VMware resources and they told me that if you need to be in here, you're probably an admin. Uh, and it's pretty low priority for them to uh, to take care of that, uh, which is unfortunate <laughs> for us since we run a lab. Uh, Building and subscriptions. So we can see here basically, you buy SVP credits, you use them to buy your VMC on AWS instance. By the way, there's three ways to buy. You can buy on demand, which costs a certain amount of money per hour. Check with the AWS website for current rates. You can buy on a one year commitment, which gives you a uh, significant discount. And you can buy on a three year commitment, which gives you an even bigger discount. Let's go back to our services. We're gonna log in to VMware Cloud on AWS, well, to the cloud services console for VMC on AWS. And you can see here my SDDC, you can see that it's a three node cluster. Uh, you can see how many cores it has and all the fun performance stats if we uh, select that. Um, by the way, actions up here, I can add clusters to the SDDC. I can add hosts to clusters. I can remove hosts from clusters. And then I can modify the SDDC <clears throat> danger zone, by the way, here, don't click on that. And uh, what I really wanted to show you guys is the network and security stuff, because all the management is done from here. And it takes a moment to load every time. I don't know why, but this screen always draws very slow. And you get this nice pretty diagram over here. Uh, those of you familiar with the whole T0, T1 concept in NSX, what I want you to know is that this big white box is T0, and these routers inside the white box are the T1s. So um, T0 has logical interfaces. There's one connected to an AWS Internet Gateway. <clears throat> There's uh, multiple connections available for VPN. Uh, do note that uh, VPN links uh, max out at a somewhere between one and two megabits a second, um, you can bundle VPN links. Uh, so like if you were going to connect to a transit gateway, um, again, not supported for on-prem connectivity, use Transit Connect instead in M11. But um, you can bundle VPN links in sort of a link aggregation uh, type, thing, type scenario. But uh, once you go past, uh, I think it's up to eight, but once you go past four, it's really kind of law of diminishing returns. Not worth it. Uh, You can see we have a direct connect connection, which is actually how we are connected. Uh, It is popular to do direct connect for your primary connectivity and a VPN uh, between on-prem and here as a backup connection. VPNs uh, as site-to-site can exist in two formats. There are uh, policy-based VPNs and route-based VPNs. And I think they're named backwards. Policy-based VPNs actually use static routing. And route-based VPNs use uh, BGP Exchange. So immediately, by the way, you should think that my gateway over here probably needs to support uh, BGP. So if that gateway happens to be a firewall, um, make sure your firewall runs uh, has that ability to share BGP, especially if you're doing it across VPN. Then uh, down here, this is the E&I. This is the elastic network interface we talked about, and you can see that it is connected to our VPC. That is a native VPC that belongs to us uh, in AWS. T1 for workloads has uh, segments coming off of it for, you guessed it, workloads. I'll show you where you configure those. And the management gateway has segments coming off of it for all the things that we don't actually get to touch. So... um, your, your vCenter, uh, NSXT t uh, management cluster, uh, all those things that, that VMware manages on your behalf sit behind the management gateway. Uh, by the way, you can do firewall rules and I'll show you where to do that. When you apply east-west firewall rules like you would for distributed firewall, uh, they are applied at the compute gateway, at this T1 here. Uh, when you apply north-south firewall rules uh, for instance, if you wanted to open up uh, SSH connectivity to vCenter, which you can do if you want to do that, uh, there is a public IP for your vCenter, um, That would uh, the, those firewall rules are actually applied uh, at the T0. So if we go into network segments, we can see all the segments here. We wanted to add a segment just to show you guys what kind of information you have to give it. You name it. Uh, you tell it whether or not it's uh, routed or not routed. Um, if it needs its own VPN, you can give it a tunnel ID there, you give it a CIDR, uh, you can enable DHCP uh, and then give it a DHCP range, which means DHCP will be served from the T1 gateway. Uh, however, we are actually doing DHCP relay, and I'll show you where to configure that. So for those, for those um, network segments down here that require DHCP, such as our Horizon desktops, Uh, That's actually being DHCP relayed relayed across our Direct Connect link uh, to an uh, Infoblox grid uh, that is stretched between our Equinix uh, environment and the ATC back in St. Louis. So we can create VPNs here. I want to get into the firewall stuff because I know uh, where I'm going a little long here and um, we got a late start. But uh, the, again, Compute Gateway, this is where you, we set up all of our firewall rules and it looks just like we're setting up firewall rules in NSX because that's essentially what we're doing. You can, by the way, create security groups. Uh, you'll notice that uh, this is a security group, this is a security group. Um, so uh, that's a nice thing to be able to, to use that feature um, here. And then, if we go to the management gateway, this is where you would create sort of those uh, north-south connections, just through things like uh, open up connectivity to uh, vCenter. So you can see here, vCenter inbound. This security group, or sorry, this, uh, yeah, this group here is uh, all of our RFC 1918 addresses because everything in the lab should be coming from a 10. or a 172. address. And so we can filter on that and say, okay, if it's coming from those addresses, it has to be coming from our Direct Connect back to the lab. It should be okay traffic. They can hit center on these ports. And just to show you where those groups are configured, you can see here, for instance, that RFC 1918 group is right there. And we can view the members just to show you that uh, I'm not lying. And you can see the cider blocks for all the RFC 1918 addresses there. Mm-hmm. Uh, down here is the really cool stuff. We have uh, the ability to do uh, some, some interesting things with DNS. So right now we are forwarding all DNS to uh, our DNS server instead of using the, uh, the, the native DNS in VMC on AWS. You do not have to have an on-prem connection, by the way. As I mentioned earlier, one of the use cases is data center evac. If you're trying to get out of the data center business, you can have uh, an STDC and evacuate your on-prem data center and just have the SDDC. Uh, that would actually be a use case where you do need to open up SSH connectivity to vCenter. Um, however, you do have to have that native Amazon, or sorry, that native AWS presence uh, in conjunction with, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, this is where we set up the DHCP relay. You can see there we set up give it a DHCP relay address, and so now all of our DHCP requests are being forwarded over to our Infoblox grid. We can look at our Direct Connect, and here's that ability to enable VPN as a backup to Direct Connect. We have not done that because our firewall does not support BGP. Here is our local BGP um, autonomous system. And down here, interestingly, you can see uh, all of the networks that we have created in VMC on AWS are being advertised back to the ATC, and we are learning all of these networks from the ATC. Uh, here is another thing I want to mention. Um, you want to supernet if possible, because the advertised BGP routes, I believe, were limited to advertising 16 routes, not including the routes to the management infrastructure. So let's count them and make sure I'm not in violation. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 on the dot. And some of those are for management, so we are safe. (laughs) And then the connected VPC, like I said before, that elastic network interface um, is connected to our VPC. And here we can see data about that. And I think that's all we want to take a look at today. Wonderful. Any questions from the, from the audience?
0: um, One moment, please. No, there, there are, there are comments saying, uh, really appreciate it. Um, good stuff. Great job. Um, but no actual questions. So that, that means one of two things. They either all fell asleep or you were so thorough in your presentation that you, you, <laughs> co- you covered everything that they, could have, that they could have possibly thought about. I'm going to go with the latter. That was, that was, a, that was very well done.
1: I will, uh, Oops, actually, I want to do that here. I will show one last parting gift uh, for everyone. I'm going to log out of my SSO credentials here which will take just a moment and i'm going to log back in as the default cloud admin those of you who are following along oops that's wrong that is so wrong <laughs> BMC.local. Um, those of you who are following along may have seen me open up the vcenter credentials from the cloud services console and copy to clipboard the password for the cloud admin account This is your ultimate admin account. You do not have full control of the environment because, again, VMware Lifecycle manages a lot of the stuff for you. Um, But just to show what we're talking about here, let's go into hosts and clusters. And we're going to see some things that we didn't see before. First of all, you notice the hybrid link mode is gone. We don't see our on-prem environment anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, But now we see a management resource pool. And when we open it up, we can see... HCX Cloud Manager, our NSX Edges, our NSX Management Cluster. These are HCX Fleet Appliances. Uh, that is our SRM instance. We have vCenter. And all of this is deployed to this Management Resource Pool, which, by the way, um, I have no ability to do anything with because, again, right. the administrative capabilities are locked up uh, with the uh, VMware Managed Services people who manage this environment on our behalf. Hands um, so, just to show you guys that uh, I'm not lying, <laughs> and uh, we can even go look at um, the vSAN data store that wasn't there before that belongs to them, uh, which is essentially the same vSAN data store, but I can't do anything with it. Mm. And there will be some new networks in here that uh, I also cannot mess with because they are being used for management. Or NSX, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So be motion, be sand. <laughs> so only see this stuff when you're logged in with the cloud admin account. When you log in with SSO, even if you gave yourself cloud admin privileges, you will not see any of the hidden management stuff in the environment. And that's, and now I really have nothing else to show you guys. No,
0: that was fantastic, Sean. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, let me let me uh, quickly Browse through all of the uh, stuff. I know. I know that we're running late, so let me just quickly scan through here. Uh, no, no. Um, still awake, but no more snark. Sorry. Oh, that's okay, Graham. You're you're always here for us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Exhausted cool. the snark.
0: Oh, we we burned him out. Um, cool. Uh, Sean Hicks, thank you, thank you very much for, for coming in tonight and showing us uh, VMC on X. Um, that, that was uh, very informative. I really enjoyed seeing how everything got tied together across the, uh, across the three different systems. Uh, learned a little bit about Azure and, and GCP, which I didn't know. So um, kudos to you, sir. Thank you very much.
1: Oh, thank you, Chris.
0: All right. Uh, thanks, everybody. And we'll see you again next week.